Hey everybody and welcome back to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I know it's been so long since I did my last podcast. Actually, it's been a week and two days since I've been recording. Listen, I needed a break. I had like six billion, okay, not six billion, but six or seven different events and slash parties I had to deal with. There was a fantasy football draft I had to get ready for, along with building my squad. Um, I'll obviously talk about that later in the podcast. Um, so listen for that. I do have D2, D1, and of course the FA Cup, all three competitions uh, I will be recapping. This will be the last time, though, I have the FA Cup uh, conversation, or at least the tournament itself, um, be on the podcast. Of course, there's other things that we will talk about in the future, but for now, that is the last time. Of course, congratulations to Serge, his first title in the league. He stops the Chelsea treble. It probably won't stop the double as it looks like Chelsea will roll through and take D1 at the moment. However, Serge not only beat Chelsea and then not, went on to beat Liverpool, another really good team in the league, um, 2-1 in the final. But Serge now gets his first title. I'm going to talk about later in the podcast as well. Uh, maybe this is the sign of things to come for Serge. Maybe, just maybe, we could see him grab a title, maybe a league title, and maybe this could be the first of many uh, different trophies that he can win. Now, like I said, I've missed you guys. You've missed me. I've heard all your outpour, RIP this to the podcast, all this yada yada. Well, I'm back. So let's get you in to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast with yours truly, George Tello. So let's pick up where we left off right in August. You know, I talk a lot about how I'm going to handle a bunch of different things, and I'll let you guys know updates here on the podcast all the time, right? But the FA Cup ended in at the last week of August, and we got some ridiculous results. Let's start at the top of the t- the stop the excuse me the top of the bracket, where we had Barcelona Celtic, right? We had I believe it was Spurs and Porto. We had Liverpool Manchester United, and then we had Atletico Nacional versus Real Madrid. Now, you can say what you want about the round of sixteen games, but they were exciting. But things really picked up on this side of the bracket in the quarterfinals, right? Spurs just getting through Porto on penalties. Barcelona advanced. And I believe it was Real Madrid advancing, if I had that right. I'm pretty sure. Either way, it didn't matter. Barcelona ran through everybody. And then they got to Liverpool. And Liverpool showed everyone what a veteran team does. Got themselves into the final. Now, the reason I'm summing that up quickly is because I don't want to sit here forever and talk about the teams that didn't make it to the final. I'll get into the teams the four teams who made the semifinals, and talk about where we can expect them to be at the end of the season. So Barcelona met, Barcelona, excuse me, and Liverpool met in the first semifinal. We all know how that ended. Liverpool, using veteran, just know, it, know how to get through. I talked to Joey at our fantasy football draft about this result, and he just said, listen, I had the better team. I knew what Evan wanted to bring. I knew that he needed to shut down Kai Havertz. I did that. That's why I won. I took his best player out of the game, and I forced him to win for, with other guys. And obviously, Evan can do that. Now, to the bottom side of the bracket, bottom half. This, I mean, there were good teams everywhere. Kashima and Amedica played in that first game. Kashima walking right through. Ryan and his crew advancing to the quarters. AC Milan and LAFC. LAFC getting through. But wow, to have Augsburg and Lyon play in that first matchup and then watch Chelsea play Fiorentina. If Martin somehow were to make it to the semifinals, I would have said Martin might have been the the best surprise of the season, just 
in terms of everything. Uh, obviously, Edison and him will fight for, you know, one of those little fun awards that I do at the end of the year. But as for what was the competition, right? Chelsea walked through Fiorentina. We all expected that to happen. But Santi, a lot of you who did the live voting with me, didn't think that Santi would beat Roman. Well, Santi beat him. Santi then goes on to lose to Chelsea in the uh, quarterfinals, putting Chelsea into the semis. And then we got Kashima LAFC, or excuse me, Club America LAFC, and the surge just goes right through him. And then surge does something no one saw coming, spanks the living hell out of Chelsea. I don't know if it's just the semifinal. Chris knowing that the treble is right there for the taking, and he just couldn't handle the pressure. I'll get into him in a bit, but surge goes through him. He walks him. And then we get into a game that just shows the deliberacy of a final. Uh, Santi, other guys I've talked to who have been in this moment say it's not easy. You can beat everyone up leading up to this moment, and then you can get to the final, and it means nothing if you lose the game. It doesn't matter who you beat before you didn't take the championship, or the cup in this case, home with you. Now, Serge has lost a cup final before, and I'm not trying to rub it in his wounds, but he and I have talked about this before. And what a learning experience it is for him to have lost a game that he was up 2-0-2. Excuse me, there's a massive bus driving by. Um, (laughs) But there is just this cornucopia that he had in his mind. He knew that if I blow this game, if I don't win the final after beating Chris, after watching Chris beat Santi the way he did, now I need need to win. Well, i got to say, a 2-1 victory in which Liverpool, tough defense, very good midfield, the attack is potent. To beat a team that's very similar to them, I know Serge is having a different kind of year with that defense. But maybe that's what stood the test, right? The defense held up, gave up the early goal. And then you had Serge get two goals that obviously are the two most important goals of his season, possibly, at least this season, where you're looking at Serge as, okay, Serge has got a great defense, can he score the goals when he needs it? Obviously, I don't think anyone expected that semifinal we got. But for Serge to win the whole thing, I think, means a lot for the league. And I think it means a step in the right direction of not only us getting one more tournament to maybe play uh, that I'm sure a lot of us would like to play, maybe an off-season one, maybe one that just caps up the whole year in general, maybe doesn't really count for as much. But in this sense, Serge getting his first title is the, is a perfect step for our league to go into a direction where we have multiple teams winning things and not just the same old characters uh, taking the crowns. Now, let's get into the four teams. Obviously, we'll start with Club America. What does this mean for them, their cup run? Obviously, they won a title. So they they will only obviously get the money, but this team is building. They have a good young attack with Sancho. You have Rashford. And not to mention, oh, Nicolas Pepe, the 90 million uh, euro man that went to Arsenal. All those three players. Still very young, still growing into their careers. Not to mention you have SMS there in the midfield. To tag along with him, though, you have Van Dyke at the back. And you have a good young keeper in Strakosha who is getting better. Maybe won't be world-class goalkeeper, but he'll be good enough to where Serge maybe doesn't have to spend that money constantly. And if you're just looking at the frame of that team, pace, passing ability. Obviously, we all saw that scissor kick goal uh, by Rashford. That's just, Wow. You don't give those up too often. So there is a lot of athleticism, a lot of youth. Expect to see this team time and time again. I think maybe Serge brings in some more 
completed players in the offseason. This team could really challenge for a title. But as for this year, this is a perfect end to his season if, you know, he doesn't go any higher in the table or any lower. If he just, you know, if he just stays there in second, third, fourth, you know, area, I think that's also a good spot for him to be in. But for now, winning your first title is always a good feeling. This is what sets the foundation though for the future. You look at some of the teams like Roman, you look at Chelsea, you look at uh Santi's Leon team. They're all found, you know, foundationally strong with youth, but also very talented guys who have been around and played. And I really expect Serge to continue that kind of enthusiasm and in a sense, business like nature where he's just bringing in players constantly that can develop and mature while also having really good developed guys already. And that's what wins you a league title. Let's get on to Liverpool. Liverpool finished second. They'll take the money. I talked to Joey, uh, like I said, you know, when I seen him last Monday. And he said, listen, I didn't expect to win that game. But if I had won it, obviously it would have been a great moment for him. I was, I was happy either way. We had a first-time winner there, uh, no matter what happened. But Joe had been in this situation before. He had really done well in these finals, or excuse me, in this FA Cup in general. You look at, he didn't start out, he started off a little slow in the group station, he got really hot, and you saw him kind of scorch through those, uh, his side of the bracket, really proving that even though he's not a top four team, he's still one of those top six, top eight teams that has a presence in our league as known for something, right? This is a veteran team, though, when you look at it. Insigne, Asensio may not be a fully developed player, but he's very good. I know the injury in real life will halt his overall in FIFA, but he's still a very good player. You look at Coutinho, you're looking at guys like Thiago, Emery Chan. I mean, you got Roberto Firmino there at striker. There is a complete team here. Now, I will say this. Manolas is a very good center back, but maybe just a little bit more influence from those outside backs. I know David Alaba is a great player, but maybe the right back area needs a little bit of work to where you could say this team is complete and maybe one more really elite body in the midfield I think would really make teams really scared of what Mancusi's building at Liverpool. But overall, I was impressed. Now, I did pick this final. I picked the score to this final. And yes, I did predict Joey to lose, but for him and I to both get that right, that he'd be in the final, uh, I just felt that that was going to make sense. And shout out real quick before I switch to Barcelona. Serge, thank you for winning and proving that I actually can guess things correctly. Uh, it made me look really good. Um, even though I'm going to totally get the league wrong and I got the VT Cup completely off-putting. But the podcast has come a long way. Now, let's move on to Barcelona because Barcelona has um, a very interesting future, right? So no matter where they finish at the end of the season, if they stay up in D1, I think that's an accomplishment. I think we'll all agree. We got a mini preview of this potential youth movement going on there and in the VT Cup. But we got the full screening here in the FA Cup. Kai Havertz is the real deal. If you didn't know, now you know. And he's taken over. He's completely taken over that team as the guy to build around. And if Evan doesn't do that, well, he's not only missed the memo on how to build a team in this league, because you're seeing it with all these other really good sides, you know, good squads. But Evan has a chance to use that youth, give them time. Obviously, he's still good enough FIFA-wise to build this roster up. But I like this run. The reason Here's one reason why. Because it's okay to not win it all, your first real go-around when you have a really good team. 
because then you learn something. It's like the NBA. The young teams never win. They almost never win. Look at the Warriors. They were complete trash. They were barely making eight seeds, you know, not that long ago. And then next next you know, they got a winning coach in there. And then they started winning. I'm not saying that Evan's not a winning coach, but what I'm saying is you can lose and gain experience that way. And that way you learn how to win. When not only when you have the lead, but when you need to come back, how to fight, you know, and I've talked to Mancusi about this a lot. I played Evan, what was it, last year before he was promoted. And one of the things that killed me about him that I always wanted to bring up amongst the guys who are now my producers, there's no, there's no presence. There's no composure. The team can pound in three goals, give three right back. I remember a game where I played him, 3-0 lead at halftime. He needed to tell himself, I'm just going to pass the ball. I'm going to take the game away from him. He didn't do that. He let me ride in. He let me do whatever I want on the ball, and I got four goals back on him. There is a massive growth from that person then to who Evan in this squad is now. I know there's a lot of different guys in there now. A lot more money's put into the team. But my goodness, what a crazy change from him from just, I would say, a little under a year or a little under a season ago to watch this team grow, I look forward to them maybe being a potential top eight team, maybe battling with LAFC and Aventus for that spot come end of the season. Uh, but this is just a miraculous start from him as far as his San Pedro FIFA League career goes. This is a very good start. Not only came up from D2, but now establishing himself as a D1 team and maybe a part of that whole best of the rest conversation. And finally, let's get on to Chelsea, right? Chris, as always, was going for the treble once we started seeing the goals break out from Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't think any of us were surprised by that. Mohamed Salah now trying to catch Costa in the assist battle. And Paulo Dybala probably having one of the most underrated seasons I've seen him have with one player in general, Chris, right? He always has good seasons with players, but Paulo Dybala's kind of gone unnoticed for the most part. Well, that wasn't enough, unfortunately, as the defense seemed to crumble against Surge in that athletic attack. And maybe we see a little bit of cracking from this Chelsea team. I'm not saying in the league, uh, but maybe just on their day, they can have a few mistakes. They have mistakes in them. And if Chris has those mistakes potentially now, he may need to improve in the future. Obviously, this team in the league is very dominant right now. They're doing everything correctly, scoring a ton of goals, and not allowing many in return. But if Chris really wants to win a treble again, I, th I believe he did it one time, or he won the double, excuse me. But if Chris wants to get back to that level where you're winning the FA Cup in the league title, because that's what matters, he needs to get to a level where it matters most, right? What do I want to do, be the best at? And right now he's choosing scoring for the most part, right? Highest scoring team in the league. So you see how these other teams elect to be, right? Serge put a lot of his money into defense. Roman's more of a defensive, you know, he has a mentality of defensive play. Obviously, the midfield is really where his growth is. And Santi, he likes to play a certain way as well. So they all have their little kinks and things they want to work on. Does, can Chris change it to where it's a little bit more balanced and he can focus on that? And maybe it was just one bad game. You know, I'm not going to deny that. I Maybe not toss that out of the window. But you don't just lose 5-1 to a team that's also in the top four and, you, and you're okay with it. 
I'm sorry, we're all competitive people in this league. I wouldn't want to lose 5-1 to anyone, but if I'm losing 5-1 in a semifinal, I'm really going to kind of question what direction I'm taking my team, even if it is for a split second. You know, maybe, Chris, this is the offseason, even though he wins the league title, he has the VT Cup in his hands as well. He walks away from the season saying, listen, it was great, but I didn't get all of what I wanted. So this is more of a unsatisfied feeling, I think, for Chelsea as they go into the offseason, you know, in the few, in a couple months where they're going to look at themselves and kind of look back and be like, damn, I just missed out on what could have been a really spectacular season. But as for now, I still think one of the most elite teams in our league, obviously, they have, they're breathing their own uh, different kind of air than everyone else right now, and they will continue to do so. But obviously, there are some cracks, and Serge was able to find it in that semifinal. Obviously, those four teams had some special seasons in the FA Cup. A lot of you that made the round of 16 had some good seasons. Let's point out to Martin, who got there in the first place playing in a very tough group with some veterans in this league, beating out Andrew and Jalant to make it into this, uh, you know, into this side of the tournament. Obviously, running into Chelsea is a very tough order, but you know, for Martin to get that far, I thought was impressive. Same thing with Real Madrid and Atletico Nacional, who ended up playing each other. Uh, but I thought both teams were very impressive to get through and just kind of find their way in because it's not that easy to get through teams that want something just as bad as you do in a small sample size, right? You only get, what, six games unless a guy quits. Fluminese, I'm talking to you. And, you know, so you only get so many games to really impress and pass these teams. And the f- first season, I believe, the, when the FA Cup was this competitive, um, I mean, my goodness, there was just so much going on. The league was so competitive. Um, Now that it's played throughout the season, there's so much more to play for uh, all at once, and I think that does get to certain teams. But kudos to the guys who made it to the round of 16. Kudos to the guys who made it to the semifinals. And, of course, Serge for winning his first ever title. Of course, after the break, I'm going to talk about some of the results that really got this league back on track. I obviously got to catch you guys up on everything that's been going on in the two respective divisions and where we are at now as we creep ever closer to the end of the season. And of course, I'll end this podcast with my manager and player of the month nominees. All right, guys, so before I get into all the D2 and D1 stuff, I thought I'd break up the podcast a little bit with a little bit more relaxation time and let me talk to you about me rejoining this league. And it hasn't really been something I talked about too much until Joey brought it up on our podcast. Uh, I think it's a, what, a beginning of or middle of, of August. And listen, I will now be back in the league. I picked my team this morning I finished I finalized it to the league and it's all official all my guys are there and I gotta say I really appreciate coming back and having this kind of different feeling now that I'm coming back obviously it's unfortunate Daniel quit and uh, I'm sure someday he'll want to come back if not now already regretting it I regret it I regret leaving and I am very happy to be back and to be ready to play um with everyone again obviously d2 is very small and i know i'm joining another guy in ajax who is coming into this league and we're gonna have to impress we're gonna have to play really good uh to make it into d1 there's some really good teams in d2 that i definitely definitely think we're gonna get a lot 
more competition in D2 next season to kind of add to what is uh, eminent chaos, <clears throat> excuse me, eminent chaos in D1. So I look forward to that. I just want to say thank you guys for leaving Harry Wilson there for me to take. Um, also, I mean, uh, there's so many pacey guys that you guys just left sit there. Um, there's some nice Premier League players that I will gladly take that are not even over the age of 23. So I appreciate that. And uh, look forward to Leicester City doing something really incredible. Obviously, I picked Leicester. And uh, I'm going to come out and say this right now. I have already made a promise to my producers uh, that I will not switch teams ever. So get used to the King Power Stadium in the future and get used to the chant, come on you foxes. So, I mean, that's fine with me. And uh, yeah, just thought I'd bring that to you. Now on to the D2 part of the podcast. All right, so let's bounce into the D1 standings. Obviously, Chelsea sit top with 63, Club America with 52, Lyon and Augsburg tied for third with 49 points. Barcelona sit there in fifth, LAFC with, I believe, four games in hand. Yes, that's four games in hand on uh, Barcelona to pass them with 38. Wolves, Juventus, and Liverpool sit 7-8-9, and Manchester United round out the top 10 with 34 points. They are technically tied, though, with Liverpool at the moment. On to the bottom half of our bracket in D1. It's Tottenham in 11th. You see there AC Milan, Atletico Nacional in 13th, with Kashima Antlers in 14th. The battle for the survival spots really are getting tight with Real Madrid, Dortmund, and Houston Dynamo all tied on 22 points, but Real Madrid having 22 games played. So they are in the are in control of their own destiny at the moment. As for Porto and Newcastle, 23 games each played. Both teams are looking like they will be in Division Two next season, along with myself. So that is your standings update. You take from it as you want. Obviously, Chelsea with 82 goals scored on the season. That is nothing short of impressive. Leon with 57, 56 for Barcelona, 51 for Club America, and 51 for their best friends. Wolves. So lots of goals being scored this season. Uh, of course, that's something that doesn't really surprise us, right? And speaking of things that don't surprise us, let's get on to the stats. Obviously, Thomas Dracosha still sits all up there by himself with 10 clean sheets. By the way, let's not forget, he is the only goalie in our league to have recorded an assist so far this season. Yes, if you go on our, our Sam Pedro, or excuse me, our spfifa.leaguerepublic.com website you will see um, that he has an assist register that's pretty impressive Burt Leno Alex McCarthy tied with seven clean sheets uh, Cohen Castiles of Chelsea along with Samir Handanovic of Barcelona with six that is your top five in the clean sheets at the moment moving on to our assist leaders Douglas Costa still reigns superior with 18 on the season Mohamed Salah with 15 and Paulo Dybalo now with 14 assists. It's looking like a Chelsea world, and we're all just living in it with Timo Werner with, tied with him for Manchester United, and Steven El Sharawe of Barcelona with 13 assists. I will get into El Sharawe's status at the end of the podcast. I will talk about some of the transfers. Um, my goodness, uh, interesting move. I'll get into that later, uh, but he's top five in assists. He's obviously made his impact known on the season. Two, or excuse me, three notables, though, I'd like to bring up before I move on to the goals. Christian Eriksen, Nicolas Pepe, and Felipe Coutinho of Liverpool all having spectacular seasons. Eriksen and Pepe with 11 assists and goals each. Coutinho having a 10-10 season exactly at the moment. Those are remarkable stats. Let's also not forget Timo Werner, who I had fourth in the assist race 
has 13 goals on the year. Let's get on to the goals. And in the goal department, let's not be unimpressed by what we've seen. 43 league goals from Cristiano Ronaldo. He's followed with 30 by Kai Havertz, 26 for Romelu Lukaku, 21 for Messi, and 20 for Wissam Ben Yedder. That is your top five at the moment. The bottom, or excuse me, the six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 scores look like this. It's Balotelli and Kane with 19, Obama Yang with 17, Gabriel Jesus with 16, and Luka Jovic with 15. Now, there is some guys who have climbed this list. Guys like Yusuf Polson now has 13. He was pretty much non-existent on this list. I am impressed by what Paul Pogba's done, Pierre. That is a spectacular season to get 13 goals from the midfield. Eden Hazard with 13 as well for Kashima. But we're creeping on the forever impending, inevitable moment that Cristiano Ronaldo gets to 50 goals. And that is special. That's something we would expect Witty to do. He's got the best team in the league, and he's being led by what is the best player in the best season we've ever seen. Ronaldo also grabbing seven assists to go along with those 43 goals, even though we all came to watch him score. We can't be unimpressed still by Kai Havertz and Ravalu Lukaku, who have combined for 56 on the season. Havertz with 30, Lukaku with 26, and you can't un really take away from those guys. Kai Havertz is playing a deeper role. He's not a striker. He plays behind there in the number 10 role, but he is special. And Evan's using him like he is Messi, right? I mean, we speak of Messi there right on our list with 21 and 6. He's having a good season himself. But Kai Havertz, Romelu Lukaku are spectacular players this season, and they've really stood out. And I hope to see more of this. I hope when Lukaku goes back to Newcastle, he can continue to score the goals. Uh, but for now, everyone is just basically kneeling beneath what is a dominant kingdom-taking type season by Cristiano Ronaldo. Let's get on to some results that were played through uh, these last couple weeks. So my first notable matchup from the week was Barcelona 2, Liverpool 2, Sayek with two goals, Coutinho and Senia getting two, Havertz with two assists, and Senia grabbing one himself. This is the matchup between two teams that met in the FA Cup, and it led to more of the same, right? Very good game. Hakeem Zayek, guy we don't really talk about a lot for Barcelona, making a massive impact. And I would expect to see a little bit more from him, but because of how good Kai Havertz has been, um, we saw him supply the goals in this case. Uh, but watch out for Barcelona if they could add more to this already good season, right? I mean, they've gotten and learned about who can do what. Um, as for Liverpool, this has been kind of the nature of their season. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. I wouldn't say this is a low for them. This kind of actually hits literally what it means, a draw, and it is a very middle ground feeling. But that's kind of how Liverpool's season has turned into a very strong start, and it's kind of slipped away from there. But now they're starting to stabilize themselves. Kind of a weird feeling, I guess, it has to be to know that you don't know what to expect from yourself every time you go out there. That's how I feel about both these teams. Obviously, we'll see how they improved as, improve as we come towards the end of the season in their positioning in the race for top four. We obviously, as we move on to the next result, excuse me, got another Barca dominance. Havertz getting two goals in this one with Correa, Thomas Partey, and El Shirawe moving into the goal departments here. Aubameyang getting a hat trick, it meaning nothing as Wolves fall 5-3. to three. Assists coming from Zayek, Correa, Tello with two, not me. And Luka Jovic for Wolves, Adama Traore, and Kaita Balde. Excuse me. It was a clean game from both sides, no cards or injuries. Barcelona running this 
4-1-2-1-2 has turned them into a goal-scoring machine altogether. But still, I'm happy to see that Wolves can continue to do what they do best, and that's put in the, the goals, even though that defense is fraudulent as hell. And they definitely need to improve that come offseason. I don't care what anyone says about Andrew and how good he could play the game. It doesn't matter when you don't have a defense that can't do the things you want them to do. Clearly, this goes beyond tactics of what Wolves want. They don't have the players to do it, and obviously they got rid of Bailly, but I'll get into the transfers you know, after I do this segment. But my goodness, what a torrid start defensively uh, for this team as we come towards the back third of the season. This is not how you want it to go. You want to jump in and get as much money as you can, especially since none of these teams are winning the title this year. Speaking of the team that is, Chelsea 4, Dynamo 1. Ronaldo grabs two more. Antonio gets a goal. Lukaku gets one. Unfortunately, Kalini scores an own goal. Uh, but more of the same from Chelsea. They get four goals on just four shots on target. They were remarkable in possession with only 54%, but took control of the game. Uh, but Dynamo, once again, i got to say, if we're looking at positives, tackled really well. 17 completed tackles in this game. Zero fouls. Uh, unfortunately, the shot accuracy wasn't there, only at 42%. Uh, we'll see if this Dynamo team can improve going forward with just one goal in this game. But on the brink of survival, we'll see if they can use this maybe as some type of consolation and some motivation in the future. A very weird result coming from Barcelona's point of view, or excuse me, Kashima's point of view. 2-1 result. This game was kind of close. Yes, Barcelona had more, uh, more of... An attacking approach coming into this game. Havertz getting two goals. Hazard one. Zayek, Partier, and Beretta are the assist men in this one. No injuries to report. But I felt like Kashima. You look at all the momentum Barcelona have um, in the sense that they are improving. For Barcelona only to win this game 2-1 yet are having a spectacular season themselves might show some good signs for Ryan and his squad maybe to get out of what is a weird battle at the bottom of the table. As for Evan, this is another positive result, which jumps him up the table. And even though he's played more games than everyone else, it's a good sign to know, at least for Evan, that he's probably more than likely going to be up in Division One next season. So obviously, that's what you have. I know I have one more result to talk about, and this is a specialty for my producers who played last month in Tottenham and Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool winning that matchup, but... Both teams really good in the FA Cup. Really, really good until Aaron ran into Barcelona. But you have to admit, where these two teams are in the real standings, or in the league standings, I should say, uh, this game loses its significance, right? Because they're not battling for anything. I would have loved to see them meet in the FA Cup. Then I'd have a lot more to talk about as far as its impact. But maybe... As I go on to talk about some D1 teams, maybe this is where we start to see how the team is going to trend. And what I mean by that is what direction is this team going to go? You know, I briefly made a remark about Wolves and how they need to change their defense. Well, that's where we're at. You know, I'll get into the D2 teams in a bit. I know previously I'd said D2 is going to be first, but, you know, I started with the D1 guys because I just felt like I had more to talk about. There's a lot of D2 guys as well that don't have a direction for where their team's going. They're just trying to do anything they can to go up. And I guess that could work, right? We kind of saw that with Porto, where they were just like, let me just gather all the good players I can get and get me the hell up there because I want the big money. Even if I go back down, I'm collecting 30-something mil 
and I can do something with that. Very interesting enough, though, is there a real direction for Tottenham? You know, I talked about Liverpool in the FA Cup part of the podcast where, you know, I broke down the four teams that made the semis. Liverpool have some fire to them. They have an attack that you can legitimately be afraid of, and they have multiple guys. You know, even their bench has players that could come and get you. But I don't feel the same way about Tottenham. You know, and I see Aaron a lot. Aaron's one of my best friends. I, I love him to death. But he needs to get a defense if he wants to play with these good players. And yeah, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, he still sits 11th. He's still there. He's still in the middle of the park, George. He's better than 20 losses last year. We can be positive about as many things as we want to be about in life. But if you're not going to fix the issues on this team and you don't win, you have no right to be upset. There are good attackers on this team. Marco Royce is good. Jesse Lingard, Coman, who's gone, was a good option. Bernardo Silva, who's listed now, very good options in the attack. But because the reliance on Christian Eriksen, Adrian Rabio, and Harry Kane to get things done, it's really slowed down the progress of the side and the attack, where I think, yes, they're stale at times, I still think they're very good. But because the defense lacks so much quality, the attack never gets to grow in games, and I've seen that when I've played Aaron, even in the past. It slows down any type of development in the build-up play, in the counter-attack, that the defense is caught off so badly. And there's been times where Aaron has played his heart out, and it's the midfield winning those, tying those games against the big clubs. It's that heart he brings out of the midfield, and that midfield is one of his greatest qualities. He knows how to set up a squad, but he, right now he needs to build through that defense. And I think then, and only then, will you start to see this team have some genuine expectations. Aaron, I believe, at the beginning of the season when he was on that podcast uh, with me when I interviewed him, he said eighth. I don't think it's out of the question that he could still get eighth place. But if he wants to go further than that, this team needs to pick up uh, from that along with Wolves. I want to see those teams really kick it up a notch. Let's move on to my five questions for the week. Well, the first one was, where do I see LAFC at the end of the season? I kind of answered a similar question a couple weeks ago. I got to say, he put up a good fight against Surge in the FA Cup, and this is more of the same of LAFC in tournaments, right? Really good, fights hard, heart and soul into every game. That gets you pretty far in this league, and it's gotten him to where he's at now in sixth place. I think he could battle for a seventh or sixth spot. I think those are good spots for, uh, for Edison. I think he'll stay there. He's a good team. Maybe come off season, you need to get someone else who can score goals for you besides the trio or two or duo that he has now with Ben Yedder and Mares. Maybe just throw a couple more bodies in there that aren't just youth developmental players. Maybe you got to bring in someone who has a little bit more ability, and we will see more from this D1, uh, this D1 side that is really getting better, to be fair. My second question was, can Kashima? Well, or excuse me, will Kashima ever win a title again? Because the VT and the FA Cup exist, I say yes. If we just played a league title, you know, every season, that's all we played and we were basic like that, no. I think that there's a lot of teams way better than Ryan right now. And his FIFA ability has kind of been lackluster. He's kind of lost his mojo. But if he finds it on a good night in a cup round or, in, you know, how we played out this round of 16 knockout stages, I guess, uh, in the, in, you know, in two, three days. If he gets hot in those kind of, you know, times, I could see him winning a title. 
I could see him winning a cup. I would like to see more improvement in the league, of course. I'm sure he would too, though. That's pretty obvious. Uh, but I don't think it's his last time. I think if he does win one, it'll be in a couple seasons. I don't think it'll be now. I think there's still a lot of work to do, even with some of the star power that is on that team. You know, There should be more goals maybe even being scored on that squad in general. All right, question three. Besides Chelsea and Lyon, which team do I think should be winning a league title in the next two seasons? Well, he just won the FA Cup, and I kind of brought this up in that part of the podcast. I think Serge has a chance to win the league title maybe next year or the year after. And there is a bigger window for him than most teams, even probably a bigger window to keep winning than Chelsea, right? Because once Ronaldo goes out, we don't know what to expect from Chris. Yeah, he won the league title before, but a lot of our teams were very even still then. So we'll see. But when you lose a guy like Ronaldo or even when Santi's days with Messi end, because they are numbered, they're not going to last forever. No one lasts forever. It's sports, you know. But when he loses that guy, we'll see what kind of team he is. But I do think right now Serge has a very good window. I think if I'm looking at a team that can win over the next two, three seasons, maybe I would even extend Serge further than that. I'm going to pick Club America to have that chance. Question four, when do you think you will see yourself now that you're back in the league in D1? Well, I don't really know. I haven't even played with my team yet. I know that's kind of a risky thing to do. I literally just took the best players I can take, and I will go from there with what I can do with them, whether it's I play a different formation, et cetera, et cetera. I was hoping I'd put this in the D2 part of the podcast, but since this was eccentric to D1, I thought I'd answer it now. I think I could get there right after my first season. That's not to knock the D2 talent that's there. I just, I like my group of young players. I think I'll learn how to play with them very easily. They're very athletically gifted guys. Obviously, I got Harry Wilson. Once again, thank you for that, everyone. I got Sinchenko coming off left back, who's going to be a really good player the more he continues to develop. And, I mean, everyone slept, uh, slept on Ina and Alpha Semedo, who are super athletic center mids. And then, you know, I got Pookie, you know, I mean, uh, that's all I got to say. One of the, he's a good goal scorer last year in the championship. And now that he's going into the Premier League, he scored. You saw that hat trick he got. If you watch the Premier League, I got a veteran goal scorer to go along with a good young group. I like my chances. Final question. And normally I don't like these questions, but because it's about a board member, I'm totally okay with it. Um, I'm totally kidding. Who do I think, out of the three board members, has, is the best FIFA player? Wow. Um, I'm going to go with, and don't worry, I didn't write these questions. I'm, I'm not even going to say who wrote these questions out for me. That It doesn't even matter. Um, but I'm going to go with Ryan. I think he's the best FIFA player. Who has the best FIFA team right now, though? I'm going to go with Pieri. He's got a way better team than Ryan. That's not even up for debate. But... Ryan has the best FIFAing ability. I, I know he slumped the last two, two and a half seasons, but I, I really think that Ryan has some true gifts to his FIFAing ability. I, I wish they would come back. I don't know where they've gone. They've kind of gone into hiding. Um, but when they do come back out, he is one of the better FIFA players in this league in general. If we all had the same guys, uh, same players, uh, he would be pretty good. All right, let's move on to D2 now. It's time to talk about these guys in the second division of the San Pedro FIFA League. Of course, there's a lot to do with them, but they've made some big moves, and there's some big steps being taken by some D2 teams. 
when we come back from the break, I will talk about that. Okay, so let's get back into D2 now. I've missed this division. I've been wanting to talk about you for so long. Let's build up into the top three, as we always do with D2. Club Leon and City sit at the bottom with an 11th and 10th place. Madrid in 9th. Atlanta United comfortably in 8th at the moment. Munich on the outside looking in into that play-in battle in 7th, along with Benfica, who sit in 6th. Fiorentina do have a game in hand on a few opponents above them, sitting fifth currently with 34 points at the moment. PSG in fourth with 35. They are tied with Celtic. Celtic with two games in hand, sitting third, along with Arsenal, who are tied technically with Young Boys, a goal difference with 30 goals for Young Boys, 12 for Arsenal. Here we go now. This is the part of the season that matters most. Who is going to step up and get themselves into D1? It's close. Three points off. I know that a lot of teams have games in hand, but you cannot deny that Ronnie started to pick it up now. He heard the criticism. He's had to deal with it. He was sick of hearing about it. Listen, even if Arsenal go on to win their next two games and they put themselves on 44 points, Ronnie's done a good enough job to put him away just far enough away from PSG and Fiorentina. Obviously, Martin will have the advantage of having to play, what, three extra games. But there's no guarantee he's going to get all nine points in those games. So, obviously, Ronnie's going to have to really impress. Then you have Celtic. Dre, let's not count Dre out. He's had one of the best defenses in this division. 20, uh, 22 goals is the best record uh, for defenses in this division. And, yes, he's only turned out 40 goals with that. But it doesn't matter. He's a hard team to score against. And if he gets one goal on you or two... You almost feel like, I'm not going to get one back. I'm not going to be able to score. Dre's been doing that since the beginning of the season. And now we're starting to see his team get a little bit more balanced and get control of games. And if he wins two games in his next two, uh, if he wins in his next two games, excuse me, and gets six points, I think we'd be looking at Arsenal and Celtic as the best two teams in this division, along with maybe Golosic's young boys, to get in as those top three automatic spots. As for the four and five spots, I am not convinced of PSG just yet. I was very high on Josh at the beginning of the season. I did pick him to win. And it's unfortunate that he slid down just a bit. However, he has room for error along with Martin, who, yes, like I said, has tons of games. But Jalant and Munich and Luis still have a chance to get in there. Yes, 10 points is a big climb. But... Once one game at a time, one step in the right direction at a time could really turn around a season for them. There's no telling what kind of Josh you're going to get each game, even though he does have an 11-point lead currently over Benfica. Yes, this could be very much over by the end of this month where we could already have our top five. But if Jalant and Luis want a chance to get in there, to keep fighting, they're going to need some impressive ends to the month and a very good start to our, our next month. Obviously, there's that's a lot to deal with. I think our top five may be set, but I guess we're going to have to wait until the end of the month. Let's get on to the guys who lead us all in stats in D2. All right, so let's fly through this because this podcast is super long as it is. Zach Steffen, Kepa Rizabalaga at the top of the clean sheets. Six for Steffen, by the way. Uh, Kepa and Gianluigi Buffon are tied with five. Viviano of Benfica with four. Pepe Reina and Joel Robles of Bayern Munich with three each. Tim Howard of Man City. Lovre Kalinic and Rafaelito Años of PSG with one each. Let's dance on to the assists because 
we have a very different perspective of assists in D1 and how they impact games. They've made a massive change uh, in the sense in D2 of when you have a guy who can take over a game, the team tends to have a better season. The only exception to that is Ennis Barty, who is currently in second in the assist race. He has 10 assists, no goals on the season for him, but he does have 10 assists. That's mightily impressive. Number one still is Rodolfo Pizarro of Fiorentina with 14. You have David Villa with nine in third. Alexander Golovin, also of Young Boys with eight, tied with Victor Moses and Francisco Suarez of PSG. There isn't really anything breaking out on the season. I would say David Villa with 12 goals along with those nine assists has been really impressive. Obviously, the goal chase down here has taken a very turn up for the best in the sense that we are having a golden boot race that I think maybe Mike Golosic didn't expect himself to be in. Christian Benteke leads the way along with Kareem Benzema. At the moment, though, if there was a tiebreaker, Kareem Benzema would not get it. Obviously, there is no tiebreaker in a golden boot race. Everybody would share uh, that, and I don't think either one wants to, but those are the two tied for first and second. Jamie Vardy with 16. He's had a great season. 15 for Gareth Bale. He's in fourth for Man City. 14 for Musa Dembele of Celtic. 13 for Musa Kanate, Musa Marenge there with 12. He's tied with David Villa. Santi Mina with 11 for Arsenal. And Kasper Dolberg tied with Bastost with 10, rounding out your top 10 goal scorers. Like I said, we are running towards the end of this podcast. I'm going to save the nominations for player of the month and team, or excuse me, and manager of the month for the next podcast. Don't worry, that will be coming out on Wednesday. Guys, once again, thank you so much for listening. I know I kind of ran through D2 very quickly, but because I'm going to have so much content coming up in these next couple weeks, I am going to save it for my reactions to the podcast. I did have a couple questions for D2. They're very simple. Obviously, people are asking, should uh, Michael move on from Man City? Very quickly, I'll answer these three questions. I think he should. I think he should sell them at whatever price he can get them at. Um and move on from him. I don't know if this is a loan deal, though, that he has him on. I, I'm not sure the terms on that. I didn't have time to look that one up. Uh, I've been extremely busy. Uh, but if he does own him, I would sell him. I think he's a good player. But I do believe that right now your team's not any better for having an elite player on it and everyone else is average. Even though Mike does have a lot of good young players, he does need to establish some type of growth there if he wants to see improvement in his immediate future. Second question was, who do I think are the top five? I think you're looking at it right now. I think that it's changed so much since the last time I did a podcast and had a chance to look at it. I think right now it set itself. I was hoping Jelan would give himself more of a chance going into the last two months, but right now it's looking like he's going to have to really pick it up if he wants to make up that 11-point difference that is there at the moment. As for the last question, who do I think will lead in assists and goals at the end of the season? I think this is going to be a lot closer in the goal race. I think Pizarro will hold on to his assist. I think that he will have uh, this noble season for Fiorentina, and it'll really help Martin get to D1, and I think he'll be one of the marksmen that we all talk about going into next season. As for the goal-scoring race, I think Kareem Benzema maybe edges this, and I think the reason why is because Arsenal will need him to score goals. And truly, besides, I know Santimina is a top-10 guy. He's registered on the list, but Kareem Benzema is the guy who's carrying them. He's having an MVP season, type of season at least. And maybe unless Jamie Vardy gets more goals, I think Kareem Benzema wins the best player award for this season down in D2. 
But at the moment, I think Kareem Benzema, he will walk away with that at the end of the year, maybe just edging out Christian Benteke. Once again, guys, thank you for listening to the San Pedro FIFA League podcast. I'm so sorry you had to wait so long uh, for me to come back. Like I said, I was super busy. I was trying to figure some stuff out and build my team. So I'm good to be. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be Leicester City. I'm, I'm ready to play, and I look forward to seeing you guys next year in D2 and you D1 guys seeing you in the VT and FA Cups in the future. I would like to thank my producers, Joey and Aaron. Once again, you guys are amazing. I know we didn't really talk this week. We talked a little bit during the draft or before the draft. I know where our minds were on different things because we're trying to win that instead. I know our attention will be all in different places, but I appreciate the effort that we made to get this podcast to go this week and in our future podcast coming, coming up. Guys, in the future, uh, in the next week or so, I'm gonna have a power rankings bonus episode for you guys because I feel like now I'll throw that all those on the uh, bonus episodes. I'll have a team one where it's very quick, maybe 10, 15 minutes, just talking about the different teams and our in our divisions, uh, in our league in general. Excuse me. I might even do a team of the FA Cup where I just get down or I'll just kind of sit down and talk about who I think were the best players in the FA Cup as we move on to the last two and a half months of the season. It's time to focus. It's time to figure out who we're going to be, whether you're going to be in D1 or D2 next season, or you're going to be winning the title and uh, hoisting a trophy for maybe the first or second or third time if you're Chelsea. I'm very glad we got Serge to win. I'm always happy for a first-time winner in our league. We'll see where that carries him as he goes forward. Will Chelsea continue to dominate D1, and will they get to the 100-goal mark? Of course, we will see that in the coming weeks. As for now, I thank you guys once again for listening. You can check us out at the San Pedro FIFA League on Instagram. You can also follow me, George William Tello, on Instagram as well. Once again, guys, thank you so much. Your feedback can be sent to those places, and it is very much necessary to do it in the future and or participate in the things that I will post on there as well because it really gives an interactive sense to uh, what we have as a league, and it makes you guys more involved. And what that does, it allows better communication and when we do our wards, <coughs> Kai Havertz, won't, we won't have mistakes like that ever again. As for now, I will see you, or you'll hear from me, excuse me, next week. You know, it's funny, I, I get that in my notes just before I leave. I get that in my notes to, to, re, to read it like that, you know, to, like I'll talk to you, or you guys will hear from me next week. And I still, I almost, I butcher it almost every week. But either way, you'll hear from me next week. As for now, goodbye. <laughs>